Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey there, friends of failure, and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with my friend, Brett Shuford. Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm so happy to be here. What's going on with you? Besides something Disney, probably, or the kid. I mean, that's the big news, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah, we're about five weeks into being dads. Little, his name is Maverick, and uh, he's pretty fucking awesome. Like, he, oh, I can cuss on this, right? Absolutely fucking yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and he, last night, for the first night, he actually let us sleep. I think I, I got about almost five hours of sleep last night. That's why I hate when these people say I slept like a baby. I'm like, you slept terribly? Cause that's <laughs> how I understand they sleep. He did. He did awesome last night. So I'm, I knock on wood that that lasts a little bit. I doubt it, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll see, but yeah, that's been cool. And you know, we, we did the process of surrogacy, which is a very, long like it was a, for us it was very long it's extremely expensive yeah i follow her what's her name again? and so yeah i mean what's her oh title or role i guess what's the name of that oh our surrogate surrogate okay not a midwife i don't know what a midwife is a midwife helps with delivering a baby okay the surrogate carries the baby yes. but she's not she's not actually genetically or any way tied to the baby she's just literally the oven that the baby the vessel the baby is birthed right so okay it's a very generous very generous gift it's a certain type of person that does that and she's it was pretty cool um but we've been recovering from that and and then trying to get back to work and trying to like figure out you know just kind of trying to balance some shit out because it's it was it's you know it's a big life-changing event (laughs) yeah i was just talking about my dog i can barely take care of a dog so i cannot (laughs) imagine a human being and then having to show them everything basically right yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. This first four weeks are really freaking hard because it's like, they're just, they don't, they don't see, they can't see very far. And like, there's just, it's just really, it's like 11 inches or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, just enough to, to see your mother's face from your, from when they're holding them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like eight, they think they say eight to 12 inches is as far as they can see. And so, it's been interesting and then it's also being interesting being in texas it's also being interesting like having given birth in florida during this whole don't say gay bill stuff and then mm. texas is so you know politically and the government with the, the governor is so conservative and we live in suburbia so i always like we go for walks i feel a little bit like there's two men walking a baby literally one of our neighbors came up to us like we're pushing a stroller and one of our neighbors said oh did you get a dog (laughs) and we were like no we have a baby and they could not it was like the synapses in their brain couldn't comprehend that two men would be having a baby yeah any other option makes more sense (laughs) so it's been interesting uh did you kidnap a kid (laughs) (laughs) right like we just stole this baby uh, wait, so I was just in Texas recently. Well, I drove through the popsicle stick part up top Oh, because I drove from Kansas City to California. But I, when I was in Texas, I didn't feel comfortable. I think I went through Amarillo and some other stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah, but you're in like the pan. That's like Oklahoma, basically. 
I'm saying I'm never comfortable once I know I'm in Texas. You know, it doesn't even matter what happens. But you live in Kansas City. Like you, is you feel different in Kansas City than you would driving? Not substantially. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. But I'm new to Kansas City. Okay. But I went over to I was I went to Coachella. Oh, cool! So I drove all the way over and then all the way back, and it was. Dope. I'm so jealous. That's so. Cool. Was it fun? It was insane. Yeah, it was amazing. Oh my god! Oh I mean, my the god. weekend, Billie Eilish, Harry Styles, uh, all sorts of crazy people. It was nuts. What did you wear? All oh, the best clothes. I'll, I'll yeah. send you pictures afterwards. <laughs> I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> One of them says, "I I survived the Rona, and all I got was this lousy shirt." I've always wanted to have a lousy shirt shirt and I figured this is the time <laughs> I had to get a custom or whatever you have to get like where you can put it in the text on a website I didn't find one that that's perfect yeah and then some other wacky outfits I bought out brought out all my wacky outfits basically did you make some new friends oh definitely yeah so the people I met there they said I found out a week before that they said yeah I, you can have a free ticket to Coachella if you can find a way to get out here and the place to stay I was like sold doesn't even matter. I don't even have an answer to either one, but common. So, I'd, hey, do you, do you think Coachella is appropriate for a one year old? Uh, it's not even appropriate for. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It depends. <laughs> if you have enough money, it's appropriate. Totally. Oh. If you don't, it is so expensive. It's insane. I had the most expensive and difficult beer of my life. It was like a thirteen dollar what can of Heineken, twelve ounce, and then I couldn't even go join my friends outside. I was had to eat, drink into the pen area what the hell i was like what the hell is this all about and then i bought an 18 dollars pizza pepperoni pizza only one of the slices had pepperoni on it i'm like are you shitting me at least try and it was like this it was like a personal size pizza type of thing no and i cried foul my favorite person on on instagram or tiktok that i love is benny drama do you follow benny drama i don't he did so you should go check out benny drama he's one of my favorite i'm writing down benny drama by the He's way, my stand-up comedian name is Benny Fitz. So I like the <laughs> Benny drama. Sounds good. He did. He he was at Coachella and he did. You know that commercial for AMC theaters that Nicole Kidman did where she was doing the monologue? Do you know what I'm talking about? Recent commercials? Not, not my jam. I'm trying to avoid ads these days. No. It was like this ad where she's like literally like, we go to the movies for this. We go to the movies for love. Benny drama did the entire monologue at Coachella. Like, and it was... Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I'll definitely take a look at it. <laughs> anyway, everybody else should go check it out too. Benny Drama, as yeah, just great. as spelled like you would think, right? Yeah, I think it might, there might be a number in there, like Benny Drama 07 or something. But it's Benny Drama. Is this, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've wanted to do stand up. And so I thought I'm Irish. My last name, Curry, is not very Irish. So I was going to do Fitzpatrick and be Benny Fitz. And then my first special will be called Friends with Benny Fitz. I like that. And then you wouldn't be able to forget that name, but I just need to be funny now. That's the problem. I need to have a comedy bit. Benefits. But see, I feel like Benefits could also be your drag name. So if you decide to do drag, yeah. Oh, it, it will be. If I be if I do that, it would be it would be any of my non-normal names. <laughs> it's when I'm wearing this robe. I'd wear this robe on stage, baby. <laughs> People can't even see. I'm wearing a Vero Bradley purple robe. I don't yeah. usually do much with the video, so we'll see if. Uh, Very flattering. Very flattering. I didn't know they made robes. She, they. <laughs> um, so we haven't done anything that we're supposed to do. So uh, you got to pump yourself up. You got to inflate yourself before we do the deflate. So you have a kid now. We got that much. But talk about you. Oh, I'm pumping myself up. So what's up? I am. I spent 20 plus years in New York City working on Broadway, doing television and film in New York City. Very, 
proud of the career that I've had as, as an actor. And I met my husband, Steven. We started an account on Instagram called Broadway Husbands, which now has almost 80,000 followers. It's become, it's become like another revenue stream for us. And, and especially during the pandemic, it was like, thank God we had it. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun to share our journey of having worked on Broadway, both of us and, and transitioning to fatherhood and having a kid. And so we, we try to have fun. We try to entertain. We also try to just create a lot of great visibility of a healthy marriage because we just didn't have that growing up, seeing two men raise a family and, you know, visibly. So that's really the the impetus behind that. And then I, of course, have transitioned during the pandemic or pivoted, I guess, from really full-time acting to full-time coaching. And I help LGBTQ plus creatives make money online, doing what they love. So I've helped people build businesses and build influence, uh, build their following um, online through social media and content creation. It's something I love to do, something I was able to do with Broadway Husbands. And so I, I really, my mission is to help as many LGBTQ plus people fall into places of leadership um, and be more visible that way. So that uh, I do that through a, a program I call the Creative Visibility Program. I also have my own podcast called the Creative Visibility Podcast. And so I help try to help people overcome their imposter syndrome mm-hmm. to become to become influencers. There's some awesome free resources on my website. If anyone's interested in learning more about that process, you can just go to brettschufer.com. You can also download my free imposter to influencer map, which is the imposter. I have it. Yeah. The, the Disney one. I mean, I'm, I'm signed up for all your stuff, so I'll get all your. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Thanks. Even though I guess I'm the plus. <laughs> if I'm just a metrosexual yeah. or whatever, you'd call a guy who straight guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we might even say like, you know, you're 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 somewhere on the spectrum with that robe on. So, oh, yeah. And oh, oh, you don't even know when I'm wearing the pants. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. <laughs> pink. I can oh, see yeah. You're killing it. Pink yeah. Brand. You you could still identify as straight and be queer. So maybe you're. Yeah. Yeah. So give me what. Yeah. Q. I'm the Q then. OK. Avenue Q. <laughs> um, shit. What were you saying before that, though? No, it's just I was pumping myself up. And so. Oh, yeah. I know. Creative visibility. Yeah. We're talking about how you're coaching. Yeah. Because that's that's great. I mean, I love the. So how did you overcome your imposter syndrome to become a coach? I imagine you had to do that first. Yeah, well, you know, for me, a big part of what I talk about, and we can dive into this if we want, is I got sober 17 years ago. So I was failing at life. Well, congratulations. Thank you. That's 17 more years than me. (laughs) But I've been to AA and all sorts of things. So, yeah. I, um, I was you know, really struggling with drugs and alcohol. And, and it was just kind of getting in the way of me wanting to pursue and and succeed at my goal. My goal in life was to be on Broadway and I couldn't figure it out. And so when I got sober, it was literally three months after I got sober that I booked my first Broadway show. So I sort of felt like that was a sign. And I started to really investigate taking better care of myself and focusing on healthier pathways of, you know, goal setting and stuff that I was not taught as a kid. Yeah. I also, you know, suffer from ADHD. And so same, you know, trying to structure, like learn how to like manage my life. It was no one had really helped me do that. And so I started to learn how to do that. And it was through that, that people were like, 
oh my God, you're successful at this. I want to be success, successful at that. Like, how did you do that? And I'm like, it's taken me a lot of time and a lot of work to figure this out. I'm not just going to give this away for free. I mean, I'm happy to help people for free, mm-hmm. but like this could also be a business. And uh, that's how I kind of, I got certified as a life coach. I would thought for sure at first, I was like, I'm just going to help people in the theater community because that's been my whole life. But uh, when the pandemic hit, I it, more people were coming to me wanting social media help, marketing help, learning how to build a personal brand. And so that's really how things started to shift. Well, you should even look into. So I have two different ADHD coaches. So that's a thing, too. Oh, yeah. Um, but do you know or do you, would you do you agree that there's three types of ADHD, which is uh, inattentive, hyperactive, and then there's combined as well? Have you heard that? Yeah, I have heard that. Yeah. You identify as one of those. I'm combined, I think, but I thought I was hyperactive for the longest time. I, I mean, as a kid, I think they thought I was hyperactive, but my uh, doctor, now I'm taking Adderall, which I, I was not taking any medication for years. I did Ritalin growing up and then I stopped uh, taking medication. But then when I started working for myself and stopped doing eight shows a week, I realized how bad my ADHD was. I was like, this isn't manageable and like my business is going to fail if I don't actually get shit done. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Cause people just think you're cause like a drug addict or something it, it, that doesn't help you, but it really literally makes it so you can focus. If you have the yeah. problem, if you're doing it and you don't have the problem, it probably just makes you feel all cracked out. But totally <laughs> for me, it just makes me be able to get shit done. It doesn't tell me how to focus my attention, no. but it at least, makes me more likely to do the right thing because if i have I, a I call system it, yeah i call it attention yeah. surplus disorder because we have too much attention but we just don't know how to focus it i like that yeah it's so i the most recently as an adult they were like you're not hyperactive you're inattentive is what they told me so maybe you're combined but maybe I'm that's combined. like a new thing i mean I, yeah. that i hadn't heard of I think it's always really what I like. This is how you know I'm an addict. I like taking the Adderall and drinking more cold brew iced coffee. It's like, yeah, you love the cold brew. Uh, see, I'm drinking the monster, though. I do the monster. That's even worse. So you at least have a healthier option. <laughs> at least there's something natural in this, right? The monster is just like all chemicals. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> I think it's like nuclear waste that they collect. <laughs> I'll get there eventually, you know? <laughs> I mean, eat drinking something good. Um, so I'm wondering what, well, we can continue down the coaching path, but I'm really curious what made you decide when we guys ready to have a kid, what, who said it first, who asked who, mm-hmm. like, how did it go down or was it a mutual thing? Uh, it's a good question. So when we started dating, we've been together 15 years. So when we first started dating, I don't know, it was maybe like two years in, mm. I think maybe he was with my brother's kid or something and and it was just super cute like watching steven with this baby and i was and i remember we had this conversation i said you know what um it would be really fun to raise a kid with you i think it'd be really fun and he was like yeah that would be fun but we never were like let's do that now or like how are we going to do that or do we want you know so i think Mm -hmm. maybe four or five years went by and we were like do we want to adopt? Do we want to do surrogacy? Like, what are our options? How do we do that? And so we started doing research and looking into stuff. And then one day Stephen was like, you know what? 
I wanted, I want to have a biological kid because we had seen this movie with Molly Shannon. I forget the name of it. It's not even a comedy. It was like a drama. That Superstar? Oh, never mind. No, but I love that movie. But that Molly Shannon? But Molly Shannon. Yeah, that Molly Shannon. That who? That's who? Okay. Yeah, yeah. What Hot American Summer? Maybe when she's <laughs> crying about the ex? No, no, no. It wasn't a comedy. It was a drama <laughs> where she played the mom of these two kids, like older kids. And she said to her son, she, she's dying of cancer in the film. And she says to her son, I want you to see your sister. You don't be mad at your sister. Like, come and visit your sister because every time you see her, you're going to see me in her face. Right. And I remember Stephen was like, okay, that's it. Like, I want to have a biological kid. Like, I want. A look alike. Yeah. And if it looks nothing like him, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> and then also, like, his brother, his dad is an only co- child. And, like, he was. So we all. And I have a brother with special needs. And mm-hmm. so there's, like, genetic stuff in my family family line that I just didn't, I wanted to be really careful about. And growing up with a brother with special needs is really challenging, challenging. Still, my parents have to help him with everything. And they're 74, you know, so that's tough. I just, you know, with adoption, sometimes like we would get attached to a kid and I just didn't want to, you know, just want to try to reduce as much risk as possible. So surrogacy was the path we chose for personal reasons. And Um, and people will give you, this is the thing, you know, especially with social media, people will give you all the judgment, right? How could you go through surrogacy? You should have adopted. There's so many kids that need homes. And it's like, it's none of your fucking business. Like it's a personal decision, you know? For sure. I think it's kind of like the dog thing when you adopt a dog, whether you get one that's comes from the store or when you, so like I didn't, I got one from the shelter. But I'm not, I don't think I'm better than anybody, but I get so much weird credit when I didn't deserve just because I picked a dog who was hanging out in the shelter. Who gives a shit where he was? He still he doesn't know where he didn't choose it. No. And like, you know, it's just it's just amazing to me that I mean, it just sucks at how much judgment there is. And so, like, obviously, you're trying to do something good. Bring it so much judgment, you know, provide a good life for a kid. I think the cool way to think about it is that. So it's Steven's DNA, you're saying, right? We actually don't know whose DNA Okay. Is. Well, either one of you, there's 4 billion years of successful sexual reproduction that led up to you, and then you're passing that DNA on. That's crazy, because I'm not yet. I hadn't thought of it that way. That's fucking great. It's a good comeback for when they say, don't do that. Say, I want to keep that chain going. Don't want to break the chain. I love that. I love that. Is that Fleetwood Mac? Is there a song by them? Break the chain? Yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> you and your... You, you know so many things. You're like... Pulling out the Fleetwood Mac. Oh, my God. Just word association, I think. But, hey, <laughs> I, I say screw all the haters. You're doing a great job. What has been the Thanks. most difficult thing? Like, what's the biggest failure you've had since having a kid? Has there been any major, oh. you, you forgot them in, a, in some place or something? I mean, nothing that's going to get child <laughs> services called on you, of course, but. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I think that probably one of the things we've, we were trying really hard to do is get them on a schedule to start. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. Like if with a newborn, you cannot, there's a schedule is not a thing. Dude, I'm not, I don't have a schedule. So you're really shooting for the stars. I think <laughs> I know, but I need a schedule. Like I have like a count, like I need that for myself. So it's like that. I think that was the thing. We would be like, why isn't he staying asleep until 10? We were going to have him nap from eight to 10. Like, <laughs> and then, you know, you're like, we're like rocking him, like keep sleeping till 10. It's like, no, this fucking kid wants to wake up, wake, let him wake up. Like, I think we it's taken us a few weeks to kind of figure out 
he's he gets to decide and we just have to provide the support for what his decision is and 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 honestly like that's why we finally last night got like a good i i think i got almost i got almost eight hours of sleep last night wow because we stopped trying to like control his schedule we were just like kind of going with his with his natural routine yeah yeah let him control the schedule yeah i think for now do you use play do you use (laughs) there's not a sponsor but do you use playtex drop-ins you know those are no what is that something that goes into like a baby's formula or something that makes it so they don't burp but my grandmother i had my grandmother on the podcast for episode 50 and she was saying that my aunt was the first baby to play test the playtex burp free something or other but now they can use drop-ins my point was I want to see if that's a thing that people use or if that's the term that people know, because I looked it up just to see what the new thing was. But my like grandfather used to sell businesses and he was trying to sell Playtex or something. I forget what it was. But my grandmother, she's 90. And so I had her on the podcast. She's got MS. So for MS Awareness Month, I pieced together like five or six phone calls that we had. It was ridiculous. It sounds amazing at the end, but it was such a crazy <laughs> thing. And I didn't even play the last 15 minutes, which was all her trying to convince me to have a kid because I'm Ben Courier the fourth. She wants a fifth and she also wants it sooner rather than later because she wants to see it. But I'm like, she kept saying how easy it is to have a kid. And I'm like, Nana, you're talking to everybody in the world here, whatever. Anybody who has a kid and is not having a good time, it's not easy. Like for you, for example, you, right? Would you say it's easy to have a kid? Not at all. No. Yeah. But Nana kept saying it's so easy just because she wants to have a grandkid. And I'm like, <laughs> I know what you're doing, Nana, but you're also talking to a lot of people. So I just cut all that out. I didn't put any of it, in. <laughs> it but that was when it was ending because the landline was dying. Her phone was dying. She kept trying to convince me I'd have a kid. So I ended it at a different. I mean, talk about, yeah. So talk, talk about family. I mean, that's the thing. Like that's another mistake I think we made was trying to like share with our parents, like everything we're doing It'd be like, Oh, look, we woke him up. He's taking a nap da, 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 or whatever. And there, and your our parents are just immediately like, why is he sleeping like that? Well, he shouldn't be there. No, he shouldn't be doing that. He should be awake. Wait, you know, but you didn't do that when you, it's like, so They're just back, learning. Like backseat parenting or whatever. Just don't tell them anything. Just say he's doing great. He is healthy and he's happy. Done. Well, wait, but did your parents know how to raise a kid? Because mine didn't. So I think if I showed him <laughs> pictures, they'd go, hey, that's cool. I just. Uh, how do you raise a kid? <laughs> or something. I just said to you that I've. If you had to get sober, do you think my parents did well in raising a kid? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I could have read between the lines. I know. It's their fault. I'm I, well, thankfully, I'm actually doing much better, too. I made it seem like I drink all the time, but I, I found if I keep myself ultra busy, I don't even have time to drink. So I'm there trying to like overload myself with things to do. Because my ADHD brain just can handle that, you know? Yeah. Um. So your career choice does involve a lot of failure. Cause auditions and stuff. I don't know how you do it. Like, cause they reject you all the time. Yeah. Any tips for, or whatever stories, but like specifically bad ones or ways that you deal with the rejection of it. Well, the, the thing that's funny is like, I like whenever I've taught kids and, and I, by the way, I, I hate teaching. I've learned that and I've accepted it, but I did it for a while or tried You're to coach. Now, everyone, though, but right. I like coaching <laughs> adults. I don't like teaching, teaching kids. This, okay. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. I like coaching, working with like people who are out there doing it, working gotcha. with kids and then having to deal with their parents is not my thing. What age are we talking? Anything less than who are you teaching? I mean, I guess 
I was, oh, I was teaching like, I think I was teaching like 10 year olds to 18 year olds. Oh, point. okay. Yeah. That's a big, and I was like, shit. no, no, yeah. I don't want to do your it with the kids going to be that someday, by the way. You're going to yeah. do it all and, those years. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll have them learn from the best, but, um, <laughs> but I, I learned like, you know, we, I would work with these kids in theater, you know, who were like, I love singing and dancing. And the parents would be like, Oh God, I'm just so nervous for them. Like, it's such a hard business. It's such a hard industry. And like, how are they going to deal with all the rejection? I'm like, life is hard. Life is freaking hard. How are they going to live their life knowing they never actually went for the thing they actually wanted to do? And just because you like want to play it safe doesn't mean you shouldn't encourage your kid to like go out there and try. And, uh, you know, so that was always the thing that drove me nuts with these parents who, or even like there's teachers who teach theater kids and, and artists and they're like, you need a backup plan. You need a plan B. You need a, it's like, no, no, no. Like you need, you need to follow your heart. You need to follow your, and you need to also take, take care of yourself while you do it. So mm-hmm. for me, like dealing with rejection, yeah, you 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 get rejected a lot. You don't get the things you want all the time, but I don't see like the way I see failure is like it, it takes some practice to get to this point, I think. But you don't fail. You just learn like I go to an audition. I don't get the audition. I figure out why I didn't get it or let it go and keep working on building my network, keep working on better skill sets, keep working on like, you know, strengthening the relationships with people and just keep freaking going. And I think that's the thing. Like most people, it's like, well, I didn't, I went to one audition. Boo, you are not an actor. If you went to one audition, you're going to be auditioning for the rest of your life. You need to just go, 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 keep working on the next thing. Keep, keep building relationships, you know, all of that stuff. So I think for me, it was just really about how you shift your lens and how you focus differently. Cause I, the way I sort of phrase this with new people or young people who are wanting to start is auditioning is never about booking the job because you probably won't book the job. Auditioning is about building relationships. Auditioning is about continuing to get in front of people. It's like dating, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if you go to one audition and expect them to hire you, that's like going on one date and expecting to get married. Yeah. Right. So you got to go on multiple dates with the same people before they start to get to know you and decide whether or not you're right for the project, you know? Yeah. And I think everybody hopefully was listening when you said that, because I love that you don't fail. You'll just learn. It's a great yeah. way to put it. Cause I also don't think failure is what most people think. I think it's more like um, giving up on something you're not supposed to and like throwing in the towel. If you're, if you're messing things up and learning from it, that's where you're actually doing the right thing. So I'm really trying to take the sting out of the word, but uh, I guess I used to have, I had on previously Steve Sims, he wrote a book called blue fishing. And he said, instead of failure, we should call it discovery. I like Mm. that one. And then uh, for goal setting type stuff, I always try to focus on what I can control. So I would try to focus on how many auditions I go to, not like the result of them. Because you can't control the outcome, but you can control how many you do, and then you'll get better just by yeah. default. And you, and then I think that also, like I said, like audition is not about booking the job; it's about building relationships. You have to think past the audition. You have to think about the person in the room. Like I always, 
say, you know, one of the big things I used to teach actors when I was primarily working with them is after every audition, send a thank you card. And they'd be like, what? Why? I mean, these people like, because hmm. you spent three minutes in a room with one person getting to do the thing that you were put on this planet to do. And they held space for you to do that. Whether they looked at you or not, whether they watched you or paid attention or or called you back, it doesn't matter. You got to do what you were put on this planet to do and share that with a person in the room. That's an awesome opportunity to say thank you for creating that space for me. That energy is what you want to put out into the world because guess what? You'll get it back. Yep. And not many people are doing it and they might remember you for something else they need in the future where you're a good fit. Yeah. Pro, yeah, I'm sure Vinny would say something like that too. I'm sure that's happened to him before. Have you sent sure. him a thank you card ever? Have you ever had to audition it, for him? Yeah, actually, he's never called me in for any reality show, but he used to get me on TRL all the time whenever I wanted to. Oh, so I used to work for MTV for a while. So I used to go to 1515 every so often, but I was doing finance for the rock band, a guitar hero video game company, which was in Boston. But I needed to be an MTV Networks employee because it was finance. So I'd have really meetings with the whatever executives over there every so often. Yeah. So I showed up and then they were like, oh, yeah, Snoop Dogg was here yesterday. Handing out fried chicken with a dude in a suit. I'm like, why didn't he come today? Nobody's here today. What the hell? <laughs> By the way, what started your obsession with Disney? I don't know. what. Where did that come from? And do you both share it or is it just you? Are you, do you force Steven to go along with this? On this stuff? Steven, I mean, I will say at one point I did force him and I'm not sorry about it. Um, but he, well, that's, he needs to be involved with Disney or you're, you're out, right? It's a deal breaker. Not, it was not a deal breaker. Actually. I, I appreciated the challenge. I appreciated the, if you said no Disney, never, I'm not going to be around Disney. That's a deal breaker. Come on. Well, when we were first, when we were first dating, he was like, listen, you can, you can have the Mickey shit, but it can <laughs> only, it can only exist in the kitchen. Oh, Okay. He's trying to confine you to one space. So there were parameters. Yeah. But eventually time goes by. That's only so much space. It's got to bleed out. Yeah. It starts to leak out of the kitchen and into other areas. Yeah. And what I. Tr- or it was like <laughs> fancy art that looks kind of like Disney, but not quite. Totally. Or like I have like concept art that looks like watercolor, but it's actually Disneyland. Mm hmm. Yeah. Eight different paintings that are totally different, but then they all make Mickey if you put them together. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like for me, like growing up, the, you know, with the like I said, growing up with a brother with special needs, and then growing up gay in Southeast Texas, and then of course cable Disney Channel came out when I was a kid. It makes sense. So the Disney Channel was like a huge part of my childhood, and I would watch it incessantly and back then on the disney channel they actually played disney classics they would show like fantasia they would show goofy cartoons old mm-hmm. classic stuff and so i loved that stuff i i fell in love with it and then of course we went to disney world when i was six and i loved it in florida or that's florida in Flor- right? in florida yeah because we would go there like every two years we would drive down from Flo- from massachusetts down there that's cool and we'd either go to universal or disney one of, one of the other because we had family in jacksonville so that's cool we'd go visit and then go there yeah i mean Flo- we went yeah but when we went because i'm older i'm old wait how old are you 42 okay i'm 37 so not that much younger at least i'll be 43 this month so okay so you'll be almost six you're almost six years older but that's yeah but when 
But think about that. Like 1986 is when we went, or 85, and the only thing that existed was Magic Kingdom and Epcot. So I was born in 85. So yeah, I don't know what what happened then. Yeah. So anyway, but you were only five. Do you remember that? Six. I was six when we went. So whatever year that was. I don't remember that early. My memory kind of sucks. Yeah. No. I remember. I actually have some pretty good memories of that trip. Like not consecutive. Like not like a big sweeping like day to day thing. What's the biggest memory that sticks out of that? Haunted Mansion by far. I remember riding the Haunted Mansion. Oh, did it still do the pictures with the and this? Was it the same thing? So well, they didn't have the projections then that they do now because projectors oh, weren't. That's more advanced. Yeah. Yeah. But they, but I remember thinking that was the coolest thing. I wanted to write it over and over again. And then, um, yeah, so that was the, probably the biggest memory I have of, of Disney world. But I think that at some point I really liked Disney pretty much most of my childhood. And we, you know, several trips throughout high school for like a dance competition or for like, you know, we, I think my brother, my twin brother actually lived in Orlando for a little bit. We spent like a Thanksgiving there when he was living there. Um, but it was when Steve and I, our first year together, 2007, I was doing the little mermaid on Broadway. So I was working for Disney Mm -hmm. and then he bought me Walt Disney's biography. And I read that book from beginning to end twice within a few months. Mm -hmm. And it was then that it just kind of clicked. I was like, I'm obsessed. Mm -hmm. And I, I planned a research trip to Disneyland to learn all about everything I'd read in the book. I wanted to experience it. And it was the 50th anniversary of Disneyland. Uh, or was around that time. So I was just in total nerd Disney nerd heaven. And it, it was there that it just kind of snowballed. And I've never, I I just, I learned so much. I know so much about it and I'm so passionate, not necessarily even about, you know, like Disney as a brand, but like Walt Disney's legacy. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by the idea of legacy and not just well, his legacy, anybody's legacy. Like, I think it's fascinating. He got rejected a ton, right? And then he got rejected a ton. Oh, yeah. Like 300 people or something told him, no, you can't draw. I for mean, us. getting getting Snow White made was a was a huge talk about failure, like a huge yeah. risk. And he had mortgaged, I think, his home, like two mortgages on his house. And he had uh, he was in debt up to his ears. So if, if Snow White, the movie had failed, he would have been bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was a, won him Oscars. You know, I think about Disneyland and how his vision of and this is why I'm fascinated by it. He not necessarily like there's probably everyone always talks about his anti-Semitism and racism. And I'm like, listen, anyone who was running a major corporation in America in 1928 was probably anti-Semitic and mm-hmm. racist because it was America in 1928. Let's just yeah. be honest. Go right? back 60 years and they had slaves and stuff. You know, it's just a different so, time. And they're, it's just a different time. And I will say, I think that that's not what his legacy to me is about. His legacy was all about this idea of like always thinking ahead, always thinking, what if I could create this thing and create an experience for people that is this and it's new and it's different and how do i make that reality happen regardless of my financial situation or what other people say or that to me is like that is his legacy and look people are still working for him today 
You will never guess my favorite character at Disney World. Goofy. I'll give you three guesses. Nope. God, I'm. I'm... That's my dog's name for everybody who doesn't know why he guessed that immediately. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said Goofy. Stitch. Please go. One more. You get one more guess. Uh, It's not. Daisy Duck. Figment. I love Figments. Figment's my number one. I wrote it down just so you know I'm not lying. I have. We have a Figment figurine (laughs) on our back porch. Figmarine. There's some way to make that a thing. Figurine, figmarine. Fig, figmarine. I got nothing. Fig, figmarine, fig, figmarine. So do you know the song then? Do you know the song? I forget it, but you if you started singing it, I would maybe terribly join in the karaoke. One little spark of inspiration is at the heart nope. of each creation. And then you know the chorus. It was about imagination or something. Is that about imagination? Imagination. Imagine. You need to know that song. I'm not going to try to even come close to singing with the asynchronous nature of Zoom and also the fact that you're a Broadway singer. No chance. No, thank you. But I will do karaoke sometime with you. I'm down. That, to me, rang a bell when you sang the chorus. But I mostly just think about him being like a Barney-esque purple dinosaur that just dances around a bit. And it's all about... Uh, like imaginary things he's a figment of your imagination that makes sense okay his name yeah Yeah. (laughs) yes exactly i mean he's my favorite but i haven't thought too hard about him clearly but it was because i liked him back in the day he's the jam he's the jam it's been a while since i've been to disney how long has it been for you probably not long well we we were there the week of uh the pandemic shutting everything down we were at disney world you're the last ones you're the last last hurrah (laughs) it's our fault I didn't say that, (laughs) (laughs) but we were in Orlando for the birth because our surrogate lives in Orlando, but we didn't get to go to the parks at all because we were too focused on having a baby. Mm. But Disneyland, I think we the misread, I think we did go to Disneyland summer of last year. So Disneyland, California. Okay, I've never been there. Oh, it's the OG. You got to go. It's the best. I was just in California, but I did not. I didn't go. Well, you're at Coachella, which is like a different Disneyland. I know. I, I barely even made it there and back. I got a flat tire on the way there. And also I had to get a rental back. And I was supposed to be back at 10 a.m. And I kept kicking that can forward. And I eventually <laughs> got it in at 7 a.m. the next day. Ridiculous. So um, do you have any thoughts on failure and all that other stuff before I get to the last two questions, which are more forward looking? Like, do you have any uh, either stories or thoughts or just last things that are about not the present or future, just historically speaking. I just think it's the worst way to phrase it. No, I know. I know what you're saying, but I just think that ultimately the idea of failure is um, if you're afraid of failing, then you're you're never going to grow. I mean, I just that's my feeling is like if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing and uncomfortability requires a level of being willing to fail. It doesn't mean you're going to fail. It just means you're willing. You are going to fail, though. I mean, you can't not fail. Try. You will. You. Yeah. I mean, so get used to it. I mean, come on. But you're never going to not fail if you don't try failing. You get to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that will involve failure, but you'll also grow. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. This is not one. I mean, it's just fictional, but yeah, boop, take that. Okay. You got it? Got it. All right. Get out of fail free card. So it's a rip off of the Monopoly one. And <laughs> instead of whatever is jail and monopoly. I'm not really sure what happens in jail and monopoly, but you can use this card to pursue a hobby, a career, a passion, something that you've never 
pursued that you avoided because of the amount of failure involved. Clearly, you don't care too much about putting yourself out there in Broadway sense, but maybe working out or uh, doing car stuff, or I have no idea what the thing would be. It can be anything. Stand-up comedy is my thing usually, but uh, if you had to get out of fail free card, what would you use it for? I mean, I would, I would become, I want to be a leader at Disney. I want to be like an Imagineer. Why? Why can't you? Uh, it's just not lucrative. <laughs> the, it's it's actually much more complicated than you would think, because imagine imagine. All right, what is an Imagineer? Can you define what it is first? An Imagineer is is a division of the Disney Company that helps create and develop all the attractions at the parks, right? So design stuff. They're design but it is exactly what it sounds like they get to design and imagine things but then they also have to engineer those things so to me like if i wanted to really become a leader within imagineering i would probably need to get some sort of degree in engineering as well and understanding mechanics and how to make i don't know hydraulics work and you know how systems work like that i mean there is a division that's the entertainment company but that doesn't excite me as much as like getting to make the rides and like getting to. Yeah. That's what you want. You like the park. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to like, at least that'd be cool. I want people to like create experiences for people. Yeah. I want people to ride a ride and be like, Holy, you know, Holy shit. And then be like, yeah, I, I helped make that happen. Yeah. What would your ride be? Oh, have you had anything kicking around? <laughs> I, I did. Does it have to relate to a specific IP? Yes. Right. I did at one point have, some ideas, but I, it, I've let them go so long ago. Cause I just was afraid I'd never. That's like something I'd say. I had one, some ideas at one point. And they're, they're doing so many things now, but <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, okay. But now on the spot, what's a, what's a ride? Give us a ride. You, I'm, I'm now an executive oh. for Disney. You you're, I'll give you an Imagineer slot. If you give me a good ride right now, go. Okay. I would, um, I, I think that we should take the, film coco I'm, I'm already on board and we we go to the mexico pavilion at epcot and we teach people instead of like how to travel through mexico we teach them all about family and why family legacy matters and how to continue to remember our family and during the attraction you get to see coco like learn, play his songs. He's like doing a concert, but then also somehow or another, we get to see, we get to go to the other side of the, you know, to the netherworld or whatever they call it in, in the movie Coco. Right. Cause that's what happens. Uh-huh. Yep. And we get to somehow meet our ancestors. And in the end, sort of like haunted mansion in the end, we see ourself reflected in something and see our legacy continue to get passed down as we exit the attraction. You're hired as long as we can call it Kokomo and play the Beach Boys song. Uh, <laughs> but in and, Spanish. Yes. And Espanol. <laughs> uh, I don't know how that works. Uh, meaning, I don't know how it would come up, but it would be fantastic. And that's not a bad idea for a pitch. Meaning, given no heads up whatsoever. Right, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to eventually be an Imagineer, you're going to have to come up with more, more than that, I think. I don't okay. know. And you said you have to come up with the mechanics too? Like, Well, I think, I think that's a... To work there, you can't just be an idea person. Otherwise, they're wasting their money on you. Yeah, yeah, you don't. <laughs> you don't want that. Um, so, good use of the get out of fail free card, like Imagineer. 
what is the next thing you're going to fail at? I don't know if you'd consider coaching or whatever the next level of thing you're going to do, but what's the next thing you're going to, I don't say fake it till you make it. I say fail it till you nail it. So what's the thing you're going to do there? Uh, gosh, I think I'm, well, I'm sure I'll fail at some parenting things at some point. I've already, I literally as, oh, as I had a question average, about that. How do you, how many books have you bought about parenting? Uh, three. Perfect. And have you read any of them? I've read halfway through one. Okay. There's a study that said if, if you even buy the books, you have a much higher success rate as raising a kid because you're the kind of parent who would care enough to buy the book in general. Oh, uh, well, that makes me feel good. So yeah. I mean, you care. The parent who doesn't buy a damn book at all is clearly not going to even try to learn that much, you know? And wow. they could go other routes and look it up online. But my point is, it's a good act of faith. I literally, I literally, the first time I, I was in the delivery room holding Maverick and I literally said to him, I'm really sorry about the shit. I'm probably going to fail at moving forward, <laughs> but I'll get to do the best I can. And I love you. So that's probably one thing, but I think that as far as like my life, my career goes, I think that there's, I really, really want my business, my, the message that I feel very passionate about of, of helping people be authentic and, and be visible mm -hmm. and, ex and put their creativity out in the world. I want to expand on that. I want to speak. I want to be on panels. I want to be doing a TEDx talk. I want people to be posting quotes of shit that I've said, you know, on their feed. And uh, that's going to probably require a shit ton of failure in order to get to that point. Uh, have you read the Chris Anderson book? Mm -hmm. had Ted talk? So he started Ted and he wrote a book on how to do a Ted talk. You should read it. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. It okay. shows you like the, the history and then the structure of how you should prepare one. So I, even with my Excel training thing, I tried to make my uh, in-person presentation like a Ted talk, but it was, I mean, who knows? Who knows how close I got? Two people showed up to see it, and one of them works at the store. Do you know Chris? Do you know Chris at all? Uh, no, I don't. That'd be okay. cool. When you meet um, him, tell him about me. When you meet him, tell him about me. <laughs> 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 and if we both meet, we'll both meet him at the same time. How's that? We'll meet up with him. Because the two of us is a bigger draw. Yeah. Um, so wh where can people go to find you these days? You can go to my website, brettschufer.com or check me out on Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram. Yeah, you crush it on Instagram. I love the videos. You're absolutely killing it. I don't know how you do the. Thank you. I have that much creativity all the time. I have fun on Instagram. It's like it's my favorite. I love meeting people on Instagram. I love connecting with them. I mean, look at us. Yeah, <clears throat> but you can follow me on I'm there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, uh, YouTube. I, I do post pretty consistently on YouTube if anyone's looking for some tips and advice. Um, and then, of course, you can follow Broadway Husbands, which is our parenting journey and our our journey of uh, it's more of a lifestyle. We're constantly suggesting brands that we love and products that we use and then also just silly dance videos. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story and I hope it all goes well. I'm sure it won't be easy, but if you need um, some random non-advice, you can feel free to reach out to me. I don't know how to raise a kid either or even myself, but uh, I think you're going to do a good job. You know, thanks, Ben. I just need because you have your heart's in the right place. I just need a robe like that in order to successfully parent. I think this is mine. This is staying with me. <laughs> I'll try to figure out how to show you where I got. I think I got on Poshmark, if I'm being honest. 
because um, <laughs> I look up Vera Bradley all the time on there, and I was like, oh shoot, there's a robe. So um, yeah, but thank. I'm impressed. Thank you very much. I'm gonna hit stop on the recording, but we can. You know. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over five hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook, which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.